Amen. Please remain standing and open the pages of the scripture in your hand to Isaiah 57 tonight, the book of Isaiah 57, beginning from verse 14 to 21. Isaiah 57, 14 to 21. I will read it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way. Remove every abstraction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, nor, I, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit would grow faint before me, and the breath of life that I made. Because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry. I struck him, I hid my face, and I was angry, but he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him, and his mourners, creating the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked." The Word of God. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, as we just sang together from Psalm 23, O Lord, we claim all the words in Psalm 23 to our own life, for our own life tonight. And we ask you, our great shepherd, the rock of our salvation, the guide of his people to feed each and every one of us by your word to even take us to that green pasture of your word that you have prepared for us tonight. In the name of Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We have been looking at the book of Isaiah together every Sunday evening. And one of the things that you could easily notice in the book of Isaiah is the prophet Isaiah repeating things that the people 
should uh, know and understand in their Christian journey as God's people. Repetition is helpful in learning. When something is repeated to the learner and the learner puts things taught into practice again and again, then the relationship that the learner has with his teacher will grow and the student would become effective in his learning. And it, it is the same with our relationship with God. It was the same with the relationship of the people in Judah with their God. Isaiah, as you all know, was preaching around 700 B.C. And Jerusalem was taken into the Babylonian captivity about a hundred years later. And they remained in exile about 70 years. And God, through Isaiah, was telling them, telling the people of Israel, that they are his people. Even though he was disciplining them because of their sin, but the Lord would always assure his people that they are his people, they belong to his by covenant. Yes, they sinned against him, but God would tell, tell them through the, through, the book of, through the prophet Isaiah that he will visit his people by his grace and mercy. That they have been engaged in idolatry, but they will be, um, they, they will be comforted, they will be forgiven by God, and God will return them to the promised land. In our text this evening, we see God comforting his people. It is so wonderful, you know, God told them the Babylonians will come and take you to captivity, but I'm going to send you to captivity for discipline with promise, with words of promise and assurance. And we see this promise of comfort even starting in Isaiah's, Isaiah 40. I will remind you what God told his people, that famous, um, those famous words of promise in Isaiah 40, where, Isaiah, where God told his people through Isaiah, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Speak to my people tenderly. Yes, they sinned against me. Yes, I will discipline them. Yes, they will go through times of uh, trials and oppression in, in exile. But uh, I want you, Isaiah, to speak to my people tenderly. The comfort that God gave to Jerusalem is a promise and hope for them as they endure their captivity. It is like, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ comforting the disciples. You remember he told them, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to go back to my father, but I will come back and take you to where I will be. 
In my father, in my father's house, the, the, there are many, many uh, rooms, many houses for you. I will come and take you there and you will be comforted. And God was doing the same with the people in Judah, those who sinned against him. So we see th- uh, three blessings that God brings to, uh, to those with contrite heart tonight. The first one is, God comforts the contrite. One who is he's broken about his sin. When people repent, when people come to God with a contrite heart, the blessing always is comfort. That's the first one. The second one, God heals the contrite. The wounded, the disciplined. Someone who is in pain because of divine discipline. When, when repentance is involved, when repentance is displayed, God heals that person. God heals those people. This is about people in Judah, but it is the same for you and I. When, you, when we repent, God heals us. And then the third blessing here is God also gives peace to to the contrite. So first, God comforts the contrite. Listen to Isaiah in verse 14. And it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every abstraction from my people's way. Because I am going to comfort my people. Because I see them repenting. I see them in remorse about the sin that they have committed against me, and I will come to them with my comfort. You see, God reminds his people that the promise he made concerning Cyrus. How did God comfort his people? This is after they repented. This is after they you know, they raise their two hands, you know, as people from Judah. And they say to God, forgive us. We have sinned against you. How did God comfort them? He raised Cyrus, the king of Persia. Go to, to, to uh, Ezra uh, chapter 1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. This is God doing. This is Cyrus. He's not godly. He, he was not worshiping the God of Israel, but God controlled his heart. God is sovereign. So he was working, he was bringing comfort to his people through a king who didn't believe in him. It's amazing. And, and look what, to what happened. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. And he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. It's not even his country. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. 
He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, with goods and with, with beasts, besides free will offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Comfort was coming to who? To the contrite heart. Because God's people repented and they were sorry about their sin with a genuine heart because God, God knew where their heart was. And he raised Cyrus. And Cyrus made, made this proclamation and told the people of Israel, stand up, you know, uh, pack your things and go back to your homeland and build the temple for your God. All that was as a way of blessing. God blessing his people for repenting. You see, repentance always leads us to comfort. Divine comfort. Heavenly comfort. And who is the one who, who executes this comfort? Listen to Isaiah in verse 15. But thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of contrite and lowly spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. Now another amazing description of God, when he comforts his people, who is the one who is comforting them? Who is the one who is giving them this blessing of comfort? God is described here in two ways. One, this God is the one who is lifted up. What does it mean? Well, you have to go back to Isaiah 53 in order to understand who was the one who was lifted up. The suffering Messiah. After his humiliation, like what we saw this morning, he was exalted. He was lifted up, not, not only to die on the cross, but he was lifted up to bless his people. To intervene and bring comfort to his people. The one who is lifted up. The one who is in glory. The one who sits on his heavenly throne. Isaiah chapter 6. You all would remember what Isaiah saw. Isaiah saw God, the Holy One of Israel, enthroned above the heavens. And he trembled. And he said, whoa, whoa. I am a sinner. Woe to me and to the people to whom I serve. We are, we are sinners because God, he saw God being exalted, being lifted up. But I, I want you all to understand, this is the second person of Trinity. This is Jesus being lifted up, not on the cross anymore, but in heaven, at the right, at the right side, hand of his Father, being lifted up. And then the second description is even even. 
more, more excellent. You see, he is, he is lifted up in a holy place on his throne, but he dwells with the contrite. Beloved, know this, know this. Keep this in your mind all the time. There are two places in which God feels very comfortable. The first one is his throne. Him being exalted in what? In high and and high places. And when he inhabits eternity with his holiness. That's where God feels comfortable. The second place where God feels comfortable is in the heart of the contrite. Those two places God loves. Those two places God wants to dwell. If you if you are a believer with a contrite heart tonight, God dwells in your heart. Do you know that? The, the, the high lifted up God, this holy, holy one of Israel, whose dwelling place is eternity in heaven, dwells among us, dwells in your heart if you are contrite. And why? To comfort you. To comfort you. He knows what you are going through as, as his child. Your struggles, your pain, your sorrow. And he dwells in your heart to comfort you. The Bible tells us God uh, that comforts the broken heart. God comforts the broken heart. In Psalm 113, in Psalm 113, the psalmist shows us this, this blessing belonging to, to the contrite, God's, God's comfort. In Psalm 113, listen to, to the psalmist how he describes God's comfort to the contrite. 113. 5 to 7. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? That's his exaltation. Lifted up, exalted. He raises the poor from the dust. Now he looks down. He comes down to the contrite to do what? To raise the poor from the dust. And lifts the needy from ash hip to make them sit with, with princess, with the princess of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. That's what God does. You see, he comforts the contrite. Beloved, God doesn't need our, our gold, our silver. Our material gifts, what God needs from us 
is a contrite heart. That's what God needs from us. And the second blessing, beloved, is God heals the contrite. God heals the contrite. In verse 16, for this, for thus, uh, for I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry, for the spirit would grow faint before me, and the breath of life I that I made, because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry. I struck him, I hid my face, and was angry. But he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart. So as far as the people were, you know, as far as what the people were trying to do depends. They were lost, there was no hope for them. They made God angry. But listen, in verse 16, Isaiah is telling us, God do not despise his people to the point that they are destroyed. That's not how God deals with his people. This is not a license for sin. This is not a way of um, you know, encouraging the, the righteous to, um, to take the Christian life easy. But this is the truth of God's heart. God forgives the contrite. God doesn't beat the life out of his contrite people. He's the God of love. He's the God of mercy. Yes, there was idolatry in, in his people's life. What kind of idolatry? They put something, someone, in the place of God. That, that is an abomination. God hates that. God punishes that. They went after false gods. There was adultery in the life of his people. So he strikes them. There was physical suffering in the life of the people in Judah. They suffered physically. And God turns his face from his people. There was God's absence. In the life of his people. And that is terrible. Have you been there in a Christian life? You feel as if God is not present in your life? As if God is not hearing your prayers anymore? You should always ask, am I being disciplined by God? He's not going to destroy you forever, but he's going to discipline you. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that God disciplines those whom he loves. He's a loving father. He discipline, disciplines his people. But at the same time, he heals his people. He heals the contrite. Think about King David tonight. And remember what he did. Remember the, the two sins that he committed. Murder and adultery. And he concealed his sin for, for over a year. Until the prophet came to him and confronted him about his sin. He concealed his sin. He was unwilling to repent. Uh, un, until the Holy Spirit revived his heart. His soul toward repentance. And he was contrite. And in Psalm 51, we see God 
restoring his king to himself. Healing, healing King David. So you see, God heals the contrite. If you want to enjoy God's healing in your life, the way to obtain that in the Christian life is repentance. Now let, let me bring this home. It's easy to judge the people of Judah. It's easy to put them down. But we need to think about our own Christian life, our own Christian walk with our God. Are there things in your life as a Christian? Say a commitment to God, a commitment to worship, a commitment to the Word of God. Where you need to repent. Where you need to repent before God who knows your heart. And that repentance will lead you to healing by this God. And lastly, the blessing for the contrite is peace. Verse 19, Isaiah says, I'll start from 18. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. This is healing. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners, creating the fruit of the lips, which means, you see, I will comfort them, I will heal them, I will give them peace, and then the result will be what? Praise. It will be worship. It will be worship. We had a missionary, OP missionary back home, um, Reverend Dan Toss, he, he went to be with the Lord about you know, a year ago. He used to say to you know, hearers of God's word from the pulpit, when I lead worship, Dan Toss would say, I want to see you all rejoicing in worship because you have been comforted. You have been healed, and you have re received peace from God. There is no reason for you to make sad faces in worship. When you sing, rejoice. He was not calling for emotions, but there must be joy in the life of the worshiper when the worshiper is comforted, healed, and blessed with peace, inner peace. Not temporal peace. Jesus said, I will give you my peace. Not like the peace that the world gives you, but the peace from above that no one would disrupt and take away from you. So the result will be what? Worship. And then verse 19, creating the fruit of lips, peace, Peace to the far and to the near. Now, the far are Gentiles, the near are the Jews. And God is saying to both the Jews and the Gentiles who believe in the Messiah, I will give peace. The reward of the righteous is what? Peace. Peace with who? With God. Peace with who? With one another. 
The dividing wall will be broken. It will be destroyed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And God will make people who have been separated for a long time. He will make them one. And in the church, they will be one people. They will be one flock. You remember Jesus in John chapter 10 where he said, And I have other sheep, And I will go and bring them in. And they will be one, one flock under one shepherd. Not this shepherd. Not, you know, your elders are shepherds, but Christ, the good shepherd. And the ultimate, you see, purpose here is heaven, but while we are here, it's peace. It's peace. Today you hear you know, children in school being killed. You hear, you know, a couple, a couple whom you knew for a long time being divorced. You hear children of a friend, a neighbor, you know, rebelled against their parents and against God and go back to the world. You know, you hear all these things. You hear about what's happening with Sophonias and members of, you know, Bethlehem Church in Khartoum. You know, becoming refugees for a second time. You hear all these things. Where is your peace? In Christ is our peace. Nowhere else but Christ. It's not even in a place. It is in a person. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace. So you see, the contrite will receive peace as a gift. You know, they will repent and God will say, I am so pleased with you. You just repented of your sin and I will give you peace. I will comfort you. I will heal you. And I will give you peace. I have met wives of believing husbands telling me, you know, my husband... When, when he was in his, you know, dying moments, he didn't want to die. He was doubting about his salvation. He was not sure where he was going after death. Beloved, we need this peace. When we are in our death bed, we need to say, it is peace in my soul. One of you know wonderful testimonies that I heard about Tim Keller, who died, you know, he went who went to be with the Lord last week. I think we all know him. Was he told his friend, "I'm ready to meet my Savior." I don't care what the medical result will be. I'm ready to meet my Savior. I'm ready. Peace. I'm talking about that kind of peace. Not for you and I to say, no, I'm not ready. I don't want to go. I don't want to die. But, but I, I am ready to meet my Savior. Because what is waiting for me is much, much better than what I, what I have here. doesn't matter what I have. It could be money. It could be success. It 
could be in a wonderful family, united in a wonderful family where, you know, love exists among all the family members. It doesn't matter what it is. Heaven, peace that leads you to that place is much, much better than what you have here. Listen to Isaiah. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet. You know, if you, if you want to know how the, the wicked expresses their frustration in life. They're very noisy. They're not quiet. They don't have peace. They don't have peace. Wherever you go, you know, you hear them cursing. You know, even, even you know, rich, but unbelievers. You see them expressing curse and anger. I was telling my friend, my, my family members this afternoon, I was, I was at the bank the other day and there was this woman before me in the line and she asked me what I do for, 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 for a living and I told her I was a pastor. And she said to me, uh, well, it's nice to meet you, but I don't believe in the existence of God. And this is what she said to me. I don't believe in the existence of God. Because, she told me, I curse God every day. And he didn't show up. He didn't show up. Like to punish me, you know. Where is he? And she was telling me, that's how, you know, that's what she proves, the existence of God. I told this woman, that's not who God is. That's not how God deals with people. The fact that he didn't show up, I told her, is his patience. He's being patient with you. But he will show up. I had to tell her that. Because she was overconfident that God, God doesn't exist. If exists, you know, God would care about this woman, you know, cursing him, and he would come down and, you know, strike her and say, I exist. But listen to this. The wicked are like the tossing sea. What I met at the bank was a tossing sea. For it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. Listen to this. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. There is no peace for the wicked. Why is that? Because they are not reconciled with God through Christ. They're not reconciled, reconciled with God through Christ. But you and I, by God's grace and thanks be to God, we have 
peace. So tonight, Isaiah, like what he did with the people of Israel, before they even went to the captivity in Babylon, Isaiah, through the Spirit, is telling us what God really wants from you as his children is a contrite heart. When he, see, he sees that heart, contrite, remorseful heart, then he will bless you with these three marvelous blessings. He will comfort you, he will heal you, and he will give you peace. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, yes, you are the God of comfort, you are the God of healing, you are the God of peace. And indeed, we have received all these blessings from you. Help us to recognize them, help us to use them, help us to cherish them, help us to tell others about these blessings. Blessings for the contrite. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.